Hundreds of people have taken part in a hikoi in Wairua from the AMP showgrounds, where the Wairua River broke its banks. The cyclone destroyed homes, businesses, bridges and severely damaged roads and farms in the district. State Highway 2 saw the town isolated to the south for some months. Power, internet and phone systems were out and the district on the day was completely cut off from all directions. When Wairua Mayor Craig Little finally got the internet bank back, he FaceTimed 9 to noon producer Liz Brown. We put that call to air. It was the first time in days that the outside world had any idea of what was happening in Wairua and surrounds. This morning, Mr Little says Wairua's scars remain raw and rebuilding is challenging. And he says per capita, Wairua was the most impacted community of Tairawhiti and Hawke's Bay and the most isolated. Then Mir Little, thanks for being back with us. Oh, kia ora tato. how are you going? Good. What's been happening this morning? A very emotional day, among many, of course. Yeah. No, it was. We all met at six o'clock and we just wandered on down to the uh, Tapawai um, rugby crowns. And it was pretty sad, really, because we certainly, we haven't got anything to celebrate yet, you know, and we've got a lot of people, we walk past a lot of those homes that are just sitting there and and no one's living in them and there's just no hope for them to even get into their home so it's just it's just so much sadness still can we just remind people of the scale of the damage i think we first spoke by phone where you were um at your farm are you, are you in two are you but further up the road your farm remind me craig yeah, that, that's right yeah with, and you couldn't you couldn't get into one right you couldn't get to your civil defense headquarters you and then you know you, you did and it was it was some days till you were able to make count contact with the outside world just remind us the scale of the devastation uh, and then we'll talk about how far things have come and what's left yeah so so like obviously i was strapped up on the farm and we tried to get in and it was just yeah and and when finally we spoke to you guys and that it was just it was a, for me. It was a sense of not being able to do anything, and just, but it was it was well and truly managed and viral. You know, I've got wonderful elected members uh, around the table with myself. They were all getting in and doing the hard yards. But once you got there and you started meeting the people and seeing that they lost everything, they didn't have a hell of a lot to start with, and it just it just dawned on you just how sad and how what the impact of this was. It was hard hitting, and you know these people woke up thinking the day was like today, really good day. And and everything got taken away from them. That was no fault of their own. And now they're still living, living without anything. They they've got no insurance. A lot, you know, fifty percent of the homes, and it's just horrible. It really is. That flooding of the town. We'll come back to the need for flood protection. But that flooding of the town brought such devastation, including, as we said, to State Highway Two. Uh, so even getting in and out uh, was a challenge for a long time. Let's um, let's start with that now. Um, that road restored, I think, by May, but still it was very ropey. What, what is access like in and out of Wairua now, both ways along State Highway 2, Craig? Oh, it's, it's not great. It's not great at all. Every time it rains, we get the old rain anxiety. We, we know we're probably going to be locked, you know, blocked out if, or, or the road will be closed. Um, it's taking you a lot longer to get from A to B. Uh, it's, it's not a good road at all. Uh, there's the you know the, you get behind a truck, you can quite often stay behind that truck for quite some distance, or get behind three or four. It's even worse. So we had friends come up the other day from down in Central Hawkes Bay, and and it took them another hour to what they normally be used to. It's, it's just hindering hindering everything. We can't even get 
transportable homes up to wire or on the back of trucks because it's just not fit for purpose at the moment. So a year on, we honestly were sitting here and thinking, yes, we've done some really good things, but man, we've got a mountain ahead of us. Well, let's start with the people in those homes. Many still yellow stick it. And there was the combo of the direct flood damage and then the silt as well. Um, I, I want to talk about the uninsured situation with you, but, but first, can you speak to how many people are back in their homes, how many people aren't back in their homes, and why? Yeah, well, so we end up with about 120 yellow stickers, which yellow sticker means you, you pretty well can't live in your homes, but there might be in one room that might be okay. So so about 10 of those people have managed to get, get ahead, get the insurance companies, um, you know, to fix things up, and they're back in, but... But so we're 110 homes, and you can imagine, so you times that by three or four, whatever, or more people living in those homes. It's a lot of people that are still displaced. There are cabins around and that, but cabins, you know, that's not your home. Um, so it's, it's really hard, and it's just they have no way forward. They don't know how they are ever going to be able to afford to fix their homes. And unless we do it, they won't be able to do it. And then when I say we, we need the help of the government, uh immensely to be able to achieve what we want to achieve. So how many of those still not back in their homes, for how many is the the lack of insurance an issue? And what do you think the total cost would be? Yeah, okay. So a lot of them are under their homes because of lack of insurance, a lack of not enough insurance, or lack of still dealing with insurance companies. And that's what's happening. So, um, yeah, yeah, so there's a big chunk of it that's around that. But probably 60... We reckon about 67, 68 homes of no insurance. And what's, what's it going to take? What conversations are you having to help these people out? What conversations with whom? Yeah, well, we've, we've obviously, previous government and with the new government, uh, Chris Luxon was up here with a few others, and he, he understands us. But I just I know it could set a precedent if you say, okay, we're going to build fix all these homes. Everyone else will expect that. But I'm sure there's ways around it by, you know, work programs, getting young ones into work, training out. So out of this adversity that we, we've lost everything, all of a sudden we have hope. We can train people up for the future, and, and they are a future tradesman in that. We've got the people to do that with. And, you know, we, we're, we've got – we've just put $500,000 aside from our mayoral relief fund to, to get – to some of these homes, but that's only a start. Of, we need about six or seven mil to get everything done. That plus another three mil that um, the local Iwi Tato, Tato have. So we've got about 10 mil we need now. And we've only got about 500 ready to go. Are you getting any sense of interest from central government about some kind of innovative scheme? Not at the moment. I did meet with MSD and that we, we sort of went through it and they're really keen to get back into work. We've really got to focus, you know, to be quite honest, a lot of the businesses, farmers are really struggling as well. And we've got to focus on actually getting people back into the workforce. and, and But making it worthwhile, making it, you know, because a lot of these jobs are hard jobs. Don't make it the same as the doll. Make it more and make it, give them incentives to want to work. Because, you know, if I could sit around when I was young doing nothing, I'd rather do that than work, you know, it's just, that's the human nature. So we've got to incentivize getting people back into um, work. What is the scale of your unemployment there, labour that could be in work but isn't? I, I think we're, I can't, I don't know offhand, but I think we're in the probably 6%. 
and um, we've got a freezing local freezing works, AFCO. They they employ a lot of people as well. So there, there is work. There's always some you know that may not want to work, but I think now's the time that we've just you know get this country back on its feet. Um, for not only around the cyclone stuff, COVID, everything, we've really got to somehow and and get get people um, you know back back working. Do you and, see and, a project you know, get, get where? Do you see a project where those currently uh, out of work? Could come from around the country potentially to be part of a of a of a rebuild here. Hundred percent. So we've got a group of, of young ones. They call themselves Hookmade. Our young and not so young, and they're getting in. They're, they're about the only real doers here from a group point of view. But absolutely, you know. And then then we need to get. I've got people ringing me from around the country saying, "Hey, we're a builder. We'd like to help." I'm going. Well, gosh, I'd love you to train some of these young ones up because they need it. And then that you know gives them a bit of bit of feeling good about yourself and, and getting out there and doing some stuff, and that's what we need. What about, because, the, what about the silt, Craig? Because this was another frustration. You wanted the army in there. You wanted anybody in there. Just explain to people who haven't experienced this the role it yeah, so plays silt, in slowing things down. Yeah, the, the silt ended up in your house as well as under your house. And in the house was probably easier to remove than under your house. So it ended up in probably blocks between four to six inches deep under the house. And you had to physically get under those homes. A lot of those homes have ring foundations where you go in one. It stunk and it was just an, an absolute horrible, horrible job. So we've got teams to do it. I've, I hear that a couple of houses still haven't been completely silt, haven't, haven't had the silt completely removed. So unless you do that, you're not, you're not going to get anywhere because it's just going to keep your house damp. And then you've got to pull the jib off your walls and then dry your homes out. It's a big process. And are you still waiting in many instances for someone to do that work? Well, mainly now, it's, it's, I went into one home the other day and they hadn't even pulled their jib off and I'd hate to think what was happening behind the walls. But they can't afford it. But they said, aren't we better to leave our jib on? So if we're going to get a live back in here, we can. you know, Because once we pull it off, we'll never get it back again. And that's what we've just got to got, – there's got to be a real wake-up call for all government officials to say that, okay, it's going to cost this much to get these people back in their homes, or actually, if we don't do it, this is what it's going to be the cost to our community through, through you know, all health issues and mental issues and everything. It's going to be probably 20 times as much. Did I read somewhere that only three of those 133 yellow-stickered houses are reoccupied? Yeah, I think it's a little bit more now. Three, okay. three just before Christmas. Okay, I think they're slowly getting. It's still you know, a fraction. What? It's all very well getting. You can't get builders. That's not. Yeah. What's the total spend you believe to rectify in the short term to rectify um, the damage here? Yep. So nine or ten million dollars. That's. That's you know, for housing, but over, but overall for Wairua, oh, what's oh, your God. bill? Yeah. So to get our roading back up to better than it ever was is probably about two hundred million at least, and and we've probably spent forty or fifty of that. But don't, keep in mind, if we don't get a hundred percent, then our ratepayers will have to pay for the for the the not but and that'll kill our community as well. So we've got that ahead of us. We've got so many other things reserved to be fixed up. Our water, it's just ongoing. And what assurances are you being given about any source of funds to do that? Well, it was pleasing to hear that we got some money for the slash removal. 
whilst we've got three million and we should be excited, but that we're we're getting a very small chunk of the Hawks Bay chunk, if you know what I mean. We need more than that. So um, I'm hoping if they uh, are considering slash and silt removal stuff, we we did that earlier in the piece. We're well ahead of the other council because we just made a decision to do it. Um, but we we just yeah, unless we get funding, we we're, we're going to be in a bad place. We, we you know we can't. We're a beautiful town, but it's just holding us back. The issue of flood protection in the first place, because it was regrettably that wonderful the the river that uh, on this day Mother Nature just wreaked havoc with. Where is the, the, the process towards flood protection that would manage future events on anything like this scale? Yeah, no, that's a really good question. So, so we've got we've got seventy million ring fence, and we've got a stakeholder group that's working together to work out solutions with with Hawke's Bay Regional Council. Tato Tato, our local iwi here in Wairoi, um, and as well as ourselves, the council. Um, the problem is everyone wants flood protection, but if it if it comes through your property or it might affect you badly, they don't want it. So we want it, but so we've got to go into those meetings really open-minded and, and think together what what's the best solution for Wairoi. Um, having no re- flood protection is not is not an option. Um, so we've got a lot of work to do. That that will be river. It'll be river protection, right? River banks, built up um, banks, and that. But it'll also be hopefully a bypass and take a lot of the water the other way. Um, so yeah. So we've done. We're doing our own study too. Um, we shouldn't be doing that. It's a regional council job. But we've decided we don't want to wait any longer. The council, why district council, is why we flooded like we did and where the water came from and all that. So it gives us a bit of a handle on. On what we could expect in the future, we're never going to we're never going to stop, but we can help remedy as best as possible. And the funding for that again comes from where? When it is agreed, and I'm, I'm hearing the complications, people won't necessarily want something on their land, but when it is agreed, where does the funding come from? Okay, so that's at seventy mil ring fence. So I think it's still hold, held in the government's okay. office. Okay. So we had a group called the tripartite agreement. It was a treaty group that said the regional council wired. Yeah, Mihi Nui, Craig, uh, thank you again for your time. Craig Little is the mayor of Wairoa a year today. Cyclone Gabriel wreaked havoc on his town, and we're just hearing how far it still has to go, particularly to get dozens, if not a hundred or more, households back into their homes.